Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Please do take a seat. And do open your Bibles again. Uh, If you have a chance, you might want to find this uh, on your phones. We're going to turn back to Mark chapter 7 and verses uh, 31 to 37, which we have just been reading. Okay, well, what is God like? What is God like? I was at Messy Mondays. On one occasion, Messy Mondays is our after-school activity on a, on a Monday once a month uh, where we invite uh, kids and their parents to come in primary school age I got chatting to a mother there, and uh, she said to me, you know, I feel like um, it's so hard to know what God is like. Uh, I don't really feel I could say what he's like. And she made a really important and very fair observation. How can we possibly know what he's like? We live in a a hugely diverse world with a bewildering diversity of opinions about what God is like. Where would we even start? Is it even possible to start to know what God is like? I wonder how you would have answered that question. Sometimes I I find it really hard to know how to meet someone with the gospel, uh, but uh, that that one felt like a gift. I said, look, this is one of the great things about the Christian faith, what we believe as Christians, that God, the otherwise unfathomable God of the whole universe, has actually come to us. He has come in a form that we can understand. He's come as a human being. And so we as Christians, we believe actually, even though that is a huge question, we don't actually have to guess. We can can have a go at answering that question, what is God like? And with some confidence, what is God like? We say, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. That's our answer to that question. And by the way, uh, if you're looking for opportunities to serve and share the truth about Jesus in that kind of way, you could join the team at Messy Mondays. That would be a wonderful way to serve. Or indeed our Renew Lounge, which happens on Fridays. Lots of people coming in there. Um, do speak to Joe Lines, our family's pastor, or Carol Trower, our pastoral care lead. Uh, they would love to hear from you on that. But I began that way because uh, actually it's a great place to start in understanding why we're doing what we're doing. You may have noticed if you've been here for a while... Every September, we start looking at the Gospel of Mark, walking our way through. We come back to this this account to see Jesus, because in him, we see the God that we worship. And as we wrap up that series today, uh, I'm praying that each each of us would find something new in the compassion and the power of Jesus. So let's go back to this encounter, chapter 7, verse 31 of Mark. It's a deeply personal encounter with Jesus. Mark, chapter 7, verse 31 says, He returned from the region of Tyre 
and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee. You now know exactly how far that is, if you were good with your uh, distances, to the region of Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. If you were here last week, you'll remember the encounter of Jesus with a woman whose child was demon-possessed. And here again, we have a man with dire need. He could neither hear nor speak, probably from birth. And of course, it was a culture with minimal interest in things like accessibility. So this is not only a debilitating condition for him, but also, particularly in the culture of the day, it would have been deeply degrading and isolating for this man. But wonderfully, this man has great friends, friends that love him, friends that love him so much, they bring him to Jesus. There's another thought, loving your friends, bring them to Jesus. And they have him lay his hands on him. Now, let me pause there, because what's about to happen is kind of so familiar, Jesus heals people, that we, we may miss what's here. The great heroes of antiquity are mostly famous for their great feats of strategy. You know, how someone like Caesar Augustus, for example, directed the destinies of whole nations at a time. But here, the God of history is known not for the pronouncements he makes behind a large table and a strategic map. He is known for how he touched one person, one unnamed person. And this is a very tangible story. I want you to come with me for a moment. I want you to feel this story. Verse 33, and taking him aside from the crowd privately. That's where we start. Jesus, can you imagine? The God of history, God the Son, one-on-one with his man. And then it says, he put his fingers into his ears. I wonder whether anyone used this in the charade earlier. The hands that made every living thing are now caked in an unnamed man's earwax. (laughs) Mind-blowing. Sign that they're being unstopped. Okay, now stay there in that moment, in in the -the over-the-shoulder camera. And after spitting, he touched his tongue. Messiah's hands reached out. Didn't just give him a hug. Touched his tongue. And it's in this moment as if the creator is massaging to life the muscles required for speech. He knows how they work. He made them. And he's reordering them for the purpose that they're intended. It's actually an extraordinarily intimate moment of healing, isn't it? But it's not just physically uh, intimate in this space together. Jesus is also emotionally and spiritually engaged. Verse 34, we easily miss it. Looking up to heaven... Speaking to the Father, he sighed. Jesus sighed. Perhaps he felt the heaviness of this man's suffering. And he said to him, and I wonder if you had a good go at saying this word earlier, Ephatha, which, by the way, is absurd in English. In Greek, it just has, the PH is one letter, so it's not quite that bad. But you get four consonants in a row here, that's why it's a bit crazy. That is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, And he spoke plainly. I wonder what you see as you step back from that uh, story. What do you see in Jesus, God the Son? I think, first of all, we see a compassionate healer. 
the heart of Jesus is endlessly compassionate. He sighed for him. He reached out to him. He touched, opened, released, and healed him. And I think the purpose of this encounter is that Jesus gives an example of the kind of thing he promises to do with absolutely everyone who believes in him. Now, let me explain. For some of us, that has a very specific meaning at first glance. Jesus brings healing. It means, for example, you and I, we are going to get resurrection bodies. It means we are going to outlive our hearing aids. We're going to outlive our sticks. Those painkillers are going to be done a long time before we are done. That cancer, out of the way, and we're going to keep going. That degenerative disease will finish its work, and we will live beyond it. Whether this side of the grave or the other side of the grave, the hands of the Lord will heal our bodies. That's what we believe as Christians. Amazing good news. That said, one of the things that uh, pastoral ministry uh, increasingly teaches me is that when we look at the whole person, body, mind, spirit, while some of us, I guess, are nursing very obvious wounds or diseases, none of us is without wounds. No person, however healthy on the outside, can say they do not need healing. In all of us, there is some cocktail of broken bodies, bitter minds, resentment, rejection, sense of worthlessness, uncontrollable anger, addiction, denial. We could go on for a long time. And all these things weave themselves into our lives, and they are absolutely just as needful of healing. And Jesus is going to bring wider, deeper healing of all of that. That's part of what's going on in the background here. Um, The prophet Isaiah, 800 years before this moment, spoke of a future moment of total restoration of humanity. He said this, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Sounds familiar. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Sounds familiar. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Amazing vision, uh, Isaiah 35, of a future reality in which everything is restored. And I think that's why the people who were listening here, they got so excited. They were drawing their connection. They're like, Jesus is the one who's going to make this happen. But I want to say this to you today. Ultimately, yes, he's going to make it happen. But Jesus can also heal us sooner rather than later. He can heal us sooner rather than later. Since the earliest days of the church, um, the spread of the gospel has been accompanied by healing. Before you ask, I haven't got any neat answers to explain exactly how it works and when it doesn't. But I have seen his healing touch. Uh, If you come back this evening at 6.30 p.m., we're going to be sharing a really powerful testimony uh, from uh, Sue Swaysland, a member of our congregation, of how God has worked to heal her. Do join us again for that if you'd like to. Perhaps a number of us here have seen healing happen in our lives. So that total, total whole life kind of healing. I think, I'm not speaking uh, out of turn here, if I say that there will also be people in this room, I'm certainly one of them, who have prayed for healing again and again and again with no positive answers to those prayers. But still, we are told to pray for healing. So let us pray for healing. If you'd like someone to pray for healing uh, for you, why don't you go back to the prayer banner at the back there at the end of our service. We've got prayer ministry going on this morning. 
All of that stems from this conviction. We see in Jesus this compassionate healer who is intimately involved in the detail of our lives. Okay, so that's the compassionate healer. Second thing uh, is that Jesus is a, a revealer, a revealer. It's the case with so many of Jesus' miracles that they have this symbolic uh, dimension. See if you can hear the symbolism again. I'm going to read from verse 34. Uh, Looking up to heaven, Jesus sighed and said to the man, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly, and Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. I don't know whether you've ever fainted. Um, I uh, have the uh, unfortunate uh, predicament that I faint really rather quickly. Uh, And to my wife's great distress, she has variously found me in different uh, compromised positions, completely out cold. Uh, So I'm quite familiar with coming round. Um, It's the only time in my life that I I kind of know what it means like to, to not be able to speak. There's always this moment when you can kind of see what's happening. I remember being in the bath uh, and the ambulance had turned up, and I, I, I knew I was fine, and I had in my head, I just need to tell these guys to go home. It's fine, I'm going to be all right. But I just, all I could say was, uh, and eventually, uh, well, I had to sign the disclaimer and so forth. That feeling of not being able to speak. This man, he had that his whole life. He couldn't produce an intelligible sound, presumably because he hadn't ever heard an intelligible sound, But then what happens symbolically is when he's healed, his ears begin to hear the sound of Jesus' teaching. And then his mouth doesn't just talk, it produces the sound of the gospel. It proclaims the good news. Now, Jesus tells him, don't tell anyone. He's got this strategy to try and keep his identity under wraps. It doesn't work particularly well. They tell everyone anyway. But this is what we're, to, what we're to understand. We're here, we're nearing this revelation crunch point in Mark's gospel. If you know it well, just in the next chapter, Jesus is going to challenge his friends. He's going to give them the million dollar question. Who do you think I am? Who do you think I am? And it's a question about revelation. What do you see? What have you understood about Jesus? Perhaps it's a question you ask for yourself. Who, who even is this Jesus? Perhaps actually for you, you can identify a little bit with this man. Perhaps the things of God as you were, they're like a distant muffled sound for you. you. You're kind of deaf to that spiritual stuff. And this is one of a number of encounters with Jesus around that time that suggests the answer to the question, working out who he is, requires Jesus actually to do the revealing. Jesus is the one who's going to reveal it. He does it for this guy. He opens his ears. He does it for a guy later on, opens his eyes. But watch out, because when Jesus does that revealing, you can't can't keep it a secret. Once he unstops your ears, you can't stop speaking about it. It's incredible. And actually, we've got so many wonderful people in this church family who are a wonderful testimony to that. All right, but I'll close with this. I don't think this is just about sort of coming to faith coming to understand who, who Christ is. I think there's something in here for everyone who is a believer. I've been really um, uh, sort of exercised about this, uh, this word, ephatha, which I've been saying to myself, uh, you know, to kind of encourage my um, uh, preaching all week. Perhaps you were. It's, a, it's an odd one, isn't it? Um, because if you just think about what happens in the passage, Mark says, he said ephatha, and then he explains what it means. 
And, I mean, presumably, we understand Jesus spoke in Aramaic all the time. And mercifully, most of the time, Mark doesn't tell us all the things he said in, in Aramaic and then say, oh, by the way, which means this. So why, why does Mark say this word and give us the Aramaic form and then explain what it means? Well, I, I wonder whether this incident here and this word got under the skin of the first Christians. Uh, we opened our service with this exchange. We said, oh Lord, open our lips. And we all responded, our mouths will proclaim your praise. Right. And the way that we can recite that, by the way, people have been doing that for 2,500 years. They knew that phrase, oh Lord, open our lips and our mouths will proclaim your praise. And what they realized in this particular moment in Jesus' life, this is opening our lips. Jesus is the one who can do the opening. If you've said that many, many times in church, you're like, I have no idea what this is about. I mean, it's on the screen, so I've got to say it. But what the early Christians understood is Jesus is the one who is going to open our lips. He's the one who's going to give us a reason to praise him, a reason to rejoice, a reason to share the good news. And perhaps you're kind of somewhere in your Christian life, it's getting a bit stodgy. Do you know what I mean? You're slightly sort of wading through the Christian life, to be honest. It's a bit like pushing water up a hill at the moment. Perhaps for you today is another day to say, Lord, open my lips. If you can summon it, Ephatha. You might have to do that quietly on your own in your household. But that prayer that your lips would be open, your ears would be open to hear anew who he is. All right, with that, uh, I wrap up. We're going to spend some time now in prayer. And in part of that prayer, we're going to come to confess our sins and also to pray for our world. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.